Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies buddies talking about cinema. Welcome, everyone. I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. And I'm Dory Zori from 88.9. And this is Cinnabuds. And this week on Cinnabuds, we are tackling the film All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. My anger at the Sackler family, it's personal. When you think of the profit of people's pain, you can only be furious. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed is the new documentary by Laura Poitras, who is an Oscar-winning documentarian. She won an Oscar in like 20, I want to say 2014, 2015, for Citizen Four. Oh, the Snowden documentary. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, do you want to talk about what the film is? Or do you want me to talk yeah, about Yeah, actually, I want to point out first that yeah. you said this week we tackle yes. the film, and that was a great <laughs> way to put As it. As I was saying it, I was like, yeah, it feels like we're tackling it. It does. The film follows the life of artist and activist Nan Golden and her activism against the opioid crisis. Yeah. But it's really more than just that kind of documentary. Yeah. It's a really good mix of a survey of her life and work, as well as the current struggle against this crisis, and particularly the Sackler family. I will never is, forget that name I now. No, it's been, it's in my brain, burned in there, and how they've contributed so directly to causing the opioid crisis. And she's using activism through these huge art institutions trying to leverage one to kind of take their name off of things. From the very first scene of them doing the protesting and awareness of the opioid crisis at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, I got really excited for a second because I didn't know what this documentary was about, but pretty quickly you felt that this was a really serious piece of work. Yeah. And the whole documentary, Christopher, just took me on an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Is beautiful. I loved it. It's intense, though. Like, if you're planning on seeing this, be prepared. It's yeah, pretty intense. For sure. The great thing is they do go back and forth. So you get, I would say you get a reprieve on occasion, yes. but not really because her life was filled with some pretty intense stuff as well. But it's not just about the tragedy. You also see the joy and the success as well. Indeed. The Nan Golden is such an interesting character yeah. that you could have made this just about her as an artist. You know, there was really great archival footage that they were able to mix in with what um, her and her crew had been filming themselves over the last two years of their activism. So it was really a great mix of something you want from a documentary, really first person telling the story, but then old photographs and old videos of how she grew up. And really, this is a documentary about art and subversive art. It's a documentary about activism. It's a documentary about relationships and how... Your family yeah, can friendships really and family. friendships and family. It's it's really got everything. Yeah, it's a very impressive doc. We will talk about our impressions of it in the podcast and dig into it, so you know a little bit what to expect. Or if you've seen it already, you know, come chat with us. We'll be talking about it in the podcast, so stick around, and we'll be right back. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the honor system. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? 
Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. All right, we're back. Mm. And we're talking about all the beauty and the bloodshed about Nan Golden. Can I just first start off by saying this is the first movie for our Cinebuds partnership that we saw together. That's right, yeah. In the theater at 9.30 in the morning. (laughs) When you see movies, usually, that's when we see movies. Oh, my goodness. And I am so very thankful that this was the first movie that I got to see with you. I'm thankful that I had a good buddy sitting next to me. I know. You need a little support for this movie sometimes. You really do. But, (laughs) yeah, I think it was shot beautifully. The story kind of wove together in a way where... What is it called when they, it's not linear, right? Like they jump back yeah, and forth. Yeah, right, right. Kind of a circular <laughs> storytelling-ish kind of thing. I was just sitting about I'm like, what is it called when a story isn't linear? I'm sure there's one term for it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's part of my charm. <laughs> they go back and forth in time. Back and forth in time. Yeah. What was the first moment of you watching this movie where you were just like, oh, I'm in for a ride. Well, uh, we saw it as a staff, the trailer. So I was excited because I'd known Ann Golden and I like her work and I'd seen a documentary about her before. But I didn't realize there was this element of intense, like four years of activism against a billionaire family and the opioid crisis. So that was a very different thing that I was anticipating. But I knew from the trailer that it was going to be intense here and there. Actually, the thing I was surprised about was that there was still so much about her life and her work intermingled into it. So I was prepared for, I was actually prepared for the opposite as you were. Oh, (laughs) nice. Well, I was reading online there, you know, really the only negativity that I saw online about this movie was people thinking that this was a really deep dive into the Sackler family, the corruption, the behind the seat, the court proceedings. I think a lot of people maybe thought it was more about that. And while they did have some interesting factual things about the family and I didn't know who they were or realize how many museums and art galleries and things they sponsored philanthropically to kind of cover up their terrible shame of how they've made their billions of dollars. So that was very nice and eye-opening too, but I I don't know. It would have been a totally different movie if that's all they talked about. Yeah, I feel like that would need to be a separate movie because this one was definitely about the victims. This was about the people who suffered under it. It was definitely about the Sackler family and what they did. And, And you're right, they showed documents quotes from the family about it which were very sinister straight out of like an 80s villain action movie like oh my gosh um, you can't make that up exactly so you do see enough of that but the bulk of it they wanted to point out like here's what happened to these people because of the opioid crisis so that part of it i thought was very sensitively done while at the same time still like not mincing any words about what these people did and how they felt about them Nan is such a dynamic person, too. She's not over the top. She's she's an artist, but she's also been a part of the subculture in New York City that I'm fascinated with, yeah. that if I was born a decade earlier, I would have, maybe minus like the heavy, heavy drug use, I would have wanted to be a part of, right, um, in New York. So it had a lot of really cool historical photos and stories about the 70s in New York City. And really the sense of community that was formed there between all these outcast artists. Although they did have a line in the movie I wish I wrote down, like they were always referred to as subculture and to them normal people were like yeah. the subculture, <laughs> yeah. which yeah, made right. me chuckle. Yeah, they were hanging out with John Waters and all these, you know, those kind of folks. And the, and the photographs are essentially, you know, her, her work is about her friends 
and her family in that culture. And it's, they said her work was so different at the time because no one just was documenting their own life. Right. And then claiming it to be art. But it was kind of grimy and like, you know, just the lighting is whatever lighting was there. So in that sense, it was just documented. But she clearly has an eye for photography. Like the compositions and the light that she used was all really nice. I mean, it's, she definitely has... You could pick out her photograph from a lineup of just people taking pictures of their friends. Absolutely. <laughs> one of the cool things that she revealed about herself and maybe one of the reasons why she picked up a camera in the first place is because she just was given up to foster care yeah. by her parents and stopped talking for a while and didn't know how to communicate with people. So it was really photographs that was kind of her in. She'd start bringing a Polaroid camera everywhere and yeah. all the people she was hanging out with like to get their pictures taken. So that was the way she was able to express herself and how she was feeling through her photographs, which I have to think is a lot of stories from artists, right? You just oh, don't yeah. know how to interact with people, but through your art is how you communicate. Right. That was beautiful to me. Yeah. And she was surrounded by artists when she became like a teenager. And so you would think you just find your own voice amongst that. It's really impressive. There's, you know, we've talked about this already, but just now that we've saw it, oh, here's one part of it. Here's the other part of it. I The th- coolest thing about this movie, other than the look and obviously, obviously the content, was how seamlessly they did go back and forth between showing you her life and her history and her art and talking about this current set of activism that she's involved in uh, that's current day with the opioid crisis, it was so well weaved. I think that's why I brought that up before because you don't really see a lot of movies like that where it's like insert clip of childhood now, you know? It didn't feel like that at all. In fact, um, the documentary was broken down into like seven different chapters. So it kind of had that feel of a book, which I know you love from our podcast. Uh, A little bit of stories, (laughs) but you've also are familiar with Nan. She's influenced generations of artists and filmmakers after her. So I guess I wonder how much she had a say in how this was put together. I would be shocked if she didn't have a good amount because she is very outspoken. Yeah. there. I think I mentioned this earlier, but there's another documentary about her life that we showed at the festival a few years ago. And it was not my first exposure to her, but it was the first time I knew her name. And it was called Nan Golden, I Remember Your Face. This one was a little bit more straight. I mean, as straightforward as you can be when you have a documentary <laughs> about Nan Golden. But it was still great. But it was, you know, much more low budget than this. And it was more directly about her life. But you you definitely get the sense that, like, if she doesn't like it, she's going to tell you. Oh, for yeah. sure. I mean, I think she spent a lot of her life. You know, the one thing that she didn't go through, and I guess I don't really need to know how she got addicted to opioids and was able to beat that. They never really went into that, but they did share other people's stories from as innocent as, you know, a kid having a knee problem and doctor prescribing, you know, oxy to them and just how this family in Purdue Pharma like trained doctors to just push these pills on people over and over again, knowing right from the beginning that this was going to be a problem yeah. except they didn't say it as a problem no it's not a problem for them for them it was wonderful Cha-ching. yeah they, the quote that we referred to earlier about the sinister is somebody said soon the country it's going to be a blizzard of prescriptions for this around the country oh, it just made my stomach drop more than like you said any super yeah, villain in yeah. any movie like they clearly knew exactly what this drug was going to do oxycontin mm-hmm. 
It was going to be addictive. And doctors were saying, take it before the pain starts and take it every four hours. And some people said they got it, they were addicted overnight. So it's very clear what's happening. Really rough, but such a beautiful documentary. I think just be prepared going into it. There could be some triggering things. There's some pretty heavy content, but I really, as far as documentaries go, I would give this all the thumbs up. I think Rotten Tomatoes gave it like a 96%, which I don't know like where the extra four (laughs) went, but I'm okay with that. Who's that 4%? (laughs) Is it the Sacker family watched it? And they're like, I did not care for this. I did not like it. Ooh, what about the part where, I know we're jumping around a lot, listeners, but this movie does in a beautiful way. That's right. The part at the end where part of the bankruptcy conditions for the pharma company to let the Sacklers off the hook. They had to sit and watch victims and family members of Oxy victims share their stories. How did, what did you feel about that? I was like, no, surely this isn't real Mm -hmm. that you have the Sackler family. You finally see them and they're on zoom and they have to sit and listen to them. The funny thing as I was watching, it it was not funny. It was intense. Like they're facing the, the villains essentially of the show of the movie, I I kept thinking they look exactly like you would imagine. Mm -hmm. They're they're so severe, like severe in their dress and the backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Their faces didn't seem to move. I mean, I understand there's editing involved, so who knows? Not a single tear in these horrific stories being told to them, to their faces. This is what you did. You killed my son. Mm -hmm. All these intense things. And they're just... Heartless. They're waiting just for waiting the, for it to be over. The the daughter. I was just like, please, somebody yeah. look like any of this is like mattering to yeah. you. Yeah, it was intense. I thought there was a moment. I think I was trying. I was hoping there was a moment where I thought, is he is he or she tearing up a little bit? I couldn't tell, but most of the time I just kept thinking, you look exact. If I had to draw you without mm-hmm. ever having seen you, yes, I would have nailed it. <laughs> I was moving around in my seat a lot because. I was trying to control my emotions. I cry a lot. I get the feels. There's nothing wrong with that. But I had a feeling if I started actually crying that I would be ugly sobbing (laughs) in the theater with six people in it because it wasn't open yet. And uh, you would have either been like, Dory, you're the bastard. Dory, you're the worst. Dory, do we need to call someone? (laughs) You've never seen me ugly cry. I wanted to because there's just so much pain and suffering in this movie. But then like so much hope with people that really care about these issues and dedicate their whole lives to activism. Yeah. You see a lot and we've talked a lot about the tragedy and the ugly side of it. But don't let that keep you away because there's also incredible success. Mm -hmm. Like you see what activism can accomplish. You can also see what this artistic life has brought to Nan Golden. You see the in her photographs, especially like you see the sad times and you document her own tragic, you know, elements of her life. But you also see the dancing and the Mm -hmm. fun that they have. And and all the shows that she's been able to like, she's a big deal in the art world now. Like one of the reasons the protests had such success is because her name carries some weight. And she refused to show a retrospective of her work at a museum in London if they accepted the grant that they were currently in the process of getting from the Sackler family. And I don't want to 
spoil anything, but I think you know. I think you know the outcome of that. I know there are some failures and some successes. Mm -hmm. We're not spoiling anything, but it is when when you do see something work, it was just like, oh yes, Mm -hmm. yeah. You it was. was, I mean, it's a lot like one of those like ragtag group of. It's like the bad news bears. Uh, (laughs) You want to see them hit the home run. So yeah, it's there's a lot of satisfaction in it. All the beauty and the bloodshed. We'll be at the Oriental Theater for a couple more days. I think if you can go see this with a group of people, I think a movie like this is meant to be shared. Even if you all walk out silently, you've all seen it together. (laughs) There's plenty to talk about, too. And if you like this movie, there's a couple other movies we'd like to recommend to you. Yeah, this is a new segment we're going to try out called Recommend It If You Like. Yeah. We'll get some like theme music or some sound effect. Yeah. I would like the title of this segment to be different every time, too. Okay. Recommend it if you like it, if you want to see it, but don't, no pressure. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> well, the first one is more about Nan Gold. This is focused on Nan Gold. There's another documentary out there about her that you should definitely check out. However... Also, the thing that I love about Nan Golden is, is how I was introduced to her is through the movie High Art, which is an independent film from the 90s, directed by Lisa Cholodenko, who was great. And it stars Ali Sheedy and Rada Mitchell. Ooh. Now, the Ali Sheedy plays a photographer, very kind of seedy photographer, but has a big name. And the photographs in the movie are Nan Golden's photographs. So essentially, she is the photographer that they're not directly alluding to, but they use her photographs for the film. And now that I know more about Nan Golden, the movie is clearly at least influenced by the life of Nan Golden, which is really cool to know now and then think back about the film and then rewatch the film and go, oh, yeah, that's like that's like connected to this and that's connected to that a little bit. But it's sort of a fictionalization based on her life is what it seems to me. But they do use her actual photos, and that was really cool. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for yeah, that recommendation. Yeah, a really good one. I'm going to put that in the queue. My recommended, if you like, is going to be diving deep into punk and new wave <laughs> yeah. and rock music in New York City in the late 70s and early 80s. There were a couple songs that popped up in the soundtrack that I'd never heard before, and I wanted to like bring out my Shazam and find out who oh, they were yeah. instantly. But this movie made me really want to go back into that scene um, because I think music and art and culture like that all really go hand in hand in so many different ways. And a big part of this movie that we didn't talk about was uh, Nan's work around the AIDS epidemic and, yes. the, and the rise of it in the 80s. And so I think for that, to me too, there's like always a soundtrack track for everything and I'm going to go back and revisit some great punk from New York City from the 70s. Uh, that's a great idea. There's a song at the end of the movie that I was like, oh, I need to find out what that is. Mm-hmm. That sounded really great. I already tried looking it up and I, I couldn't find it. I think this movie might be too new where there's not a lot of websites dedicated to yeah. documenting the music from this movie, but you can make your own soundtrack. Yeah, we'll find it. Also, one last recommended, Take a Friend. Make some time after you watch the film to go get some comfort <laughs> yeah, food that's right. or go for a walk. And yeah. even if you don't want to sit and talk about it like we are, just be together with someone <laughs> yeah. you love. Yeah, have have a little palate cleanser afterwards for sure. And now we're going to do our famous segment. What else have you been watching? Woo-woo. Hey, everybody. We also watch and do other things. We do. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I'll start. Yeah. I don't know if I talked about this before, but we just recently wrapped up season two of Pennyworth. 
oh, the no, story of Batman's this. butler. I saw the first season. I really liked it. I really liked it too. It was recommended to us by some friends, Jeff and Tony. I think there's three seasons. We just ended season two. I really like it yeah. a lot. And I don't want to do any spoilers, but we didn't watch it for so long because Mr. Zori was like, why do I want to watch a story about Batman's butler, Alfred? <laughs> he does that sometimes. Why do I want to watch yeah. something with dragons in it and yeah. wizards? But then you watch it and you realize there's actually a great story and that's just the yeah. background. I know they're doing that a lot these days with like comic book you know, properties. They're just like, let's make this thing that you wouldn't imagine would be good. Like, it's really good oh, though. Just, just make it good. Doesn't it's it's peripherally about the fact that he eventually becomes Batman's butler. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because you're just trying to putting all the the pieces together. Like, okay, wait, what? Which ones are his parents? Which yeah. one are Batman's parents going to be? And right. then they get pregnant in season two, but it's a girl. So you're like, hmm, what's going on? So <laughs> not Batman. Yeah, or or Batman. Wouldn't that be oh, fun? Oh yeah, that'd be a nice. A nice different angle. What I have you it. been doing lately? <laughs> well, this one is the opposite of what we just watched. Okay. So this Good. is a little palate cleanser as well. I finally got around to watching The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is with uh, Nicolas Cage. <sighs> and that was real fun. It was a delight, wasn't it? it? Yeah, yes. yeah. It was good. I... I don't know why I didn't see it right away. I think I just didn't have access right away. I was like, oh, I don't want to pay for it, that kind of thing. But I, one thing that has been missing for me this year are new good comedies. Mm-hmm. And this was a really fun, I love it when celebrities make fun of themselves and like show that they, they can take it. And uh, he really, I mean, the whole thing was about him being so intense and, yeah, but all, you know, insecure at the same time. So. It was really funny. I thought it was really good. So incredibly clever and funny. And Nicolas Cage, I know, does a lot of movies. Maybe like the most active <laughs> yeah, actor yeah. in our lifetime. I I feel like I saw a stat once of how many movies he makes in a year. And obviously they're, they're not all great. And some are bad. Some are good, For bad. But this sure. was truly a good movie. It was, yeah. We talked about him once on the show or more than once, many times. Of course. And... Uh, it does seem like there's you can almost get a really clear percentage per year of how many bad ones he's going to do versus like the smaller percentage of good ones. But the good ones he chooses are really good. Yeah. Pig was like one of my favorite movies oh that came gosh. out that year. Mm-hmm. So like he knows what he's doing, I think, which is not something I would have ever thought to say about <laughs> Nicolas Cage. I do think he knows what he's doing, though. I do think he knows what he's doing, too. Oh, what a joy. <laughs> well. We hope you've enjoyed, and we hope we've given you a lot of movies to check out. What is our question for the week? Oh, yeah. Nicolas Cage, yay or nay? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was just such a small part of this. What's the worst Nicolas Cage movie you've ever seen? I mean, I'd love to be more positive, but here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the worst Nicolas Cage movie could also be your favorite, because some of them are real fun bad. Vampire's Kiss. <gasps> that one I think is a good, good movie. Dude, he's just... <laughs> the more I watch that movie, the more I'm like, no, this is not bad good. This is good, good. Right. It's just straight up good, good. But yeah, I love Vampire's Kiss. All right. That's our question for this week then. Yeah. Let's just say, let's not even say good or bad. What Nicolas Cage movie? Question mark. <laughs> that's it. All right. We did it without me crying. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Cinebuds is produced by Nate Imig and Kiri Salinas. And our awesome theme song is by Brett Newski. Mm-hmm. And Cinebuds is brought to you with support from both members of Milwaukee Film and Radio Milwaukee. So thank you so much 
for donating yeah. to such great nonprofits so we can do cool stuff like this. Yeah, you're the best. We uh, appreciate you listening and we will see you soon. Bye-bye.